Hello, everybody. This is Vet, and welcome to the third episode of the Success Inspired Podcast. That's right. We're on the third one now. This is awesome. In today's episode, we talk about how business should pivot in the current COVID-19 situation we're all experiencing. We discuss predictions of how marketing may look like in the future with use of AI and sophisticated automations. We also cover the importance of understanding your ideal customer avatar. Oh, and this is a funny one. And my guest shares his story on how he started a circus business at only age of six years old. Let's do this. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show. My guest today is one of the Australia's leading sales and marketing consultants who helps businesses plug the holes in their customer acquisition funnels. His expertise has been featured in multiple media outlets, and I highly recommend his free sales machine guide, which shows you how to implement five simple strategies on how to skyrocket your business and give it a go yourself. Please welcome to the show, Tim Hyde from Win More Clients. Hey, Vit. Thanks very much for the introduction. That's uh, <laughs> might be sound amazing. <laughs> I'm have to. Uh, I'm have to keep you around. So every time I walk into a room, you can announce me like some town crier. <laughs> no, you, yeah, I try. I try. I try my best, mate. Try my best. <laughs> no, that's um, awesome. How are you? Yeah, good, mate. Yeah, I just actually finished a little uh, live cooking show just uh, 30 minutes ago. Uh, just enough time to actually finish eating my meal as well. Just a little side thing that we do at the gym right now. You know, just trying to get creative uh, with content, you know, keeping our uh, members engaged with whatever shape, way, form we can. Uh, and it's important, right? Engage, engage. Absolutely. That's something that you... Absolutely. Your mind, everyone's, uh, everyone's having to sort of realign and do things slightly different than they're, than they're used to. Um, right now, you know, while everyone's locked away, mm. hopefully it won't last too much longer. How 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 long do you reckon that this was this is going to last? Uh, mate, I uh, I think we've still got a couple of months to go. Um, the reality is that whilst we've done a fantastic job in Australia of of flatlining the spread of COVID, we've still got issues that you know we haven't solved the underlying issues. And I think that's that's a good lesson as well. You know, if we, unless we solve these underlying issues in our business and our life we you know we've got to we can only put so many band-aids on things absolutely and also i also think it's a perfect opportunity right now a lot of, a lot of people are seeing it as um you know in my industry in fitness industry a lot of gyms are sort of like just hanging there and just waiting to reopen to get back to the way it was but i don't think it's going to be the way it was what do you think i think we'll go back to an element of normality um we will take some time but I think smart businesses right now, smart gyms, um, are probably looking at how do we, how do we strengthen the foundations of our business? Uh, the stuff that we're doing right now, just to deal with COVID, you know, why aren't we doing this stuff all the time to engage and provide value to our, to our customers, to our members, and so on? So, you know, what we're doing right now shouldn't really be anything different from how we normally engage and provide value to our you know, customer base. We're just prevent providing it in a different way right now than perhaps what we would normally do. And I think the smart businesses are probably looking at that about how they would be able to slingshot out of this current uncertainty. 
I think putting your hand, head in the sand is probably not the right way to go. And a bit like trying to take a, you know, a, a glass of water out of a bathtub, you know, the, the space will very, won't stay there for you to suddenly reopen your business <laughs> yeah. again. It'll disappear. And your customer base right now, um, whether it be the fitness sector or one that's been particularly disrupted, um, will be the same. And um, we'll, we'll see um, your competitors are positioning and moving to try and take some of your market share. And if you're not active, you know, it'll disappear. Absolutely. And one of the, one of the important things right now, I, I think, like you said, for, for a lot of the, the fitness businesses is, is obviously acting quick, acting fast. And I mean, how long we've been in this now? We've been in a shutdown for three weeks, been forced to work from home, about three weeks, yeah, right? Three or four weeks now. Uh, I mean, it by the time. It seems like longer. It seems like a whole lifetime, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it, it, well, for me anyway, because you know what? I, I got back home from uh, Europe and on a Friday, the 13th of March. And <laughs> so, so I had to stay at home, right, for at least two weeks because I actually, I actually believe it or not, but I actually got back. I had a bit of sore throat. I had um, and I, and I was sneezing and and um, didn't feel feel great. So I'm like, okay, well, I'm gonna stay at home regardless because I don't wanna, I don't know if if I have it or not, right? So I stayed at home. Um, then I got back, went and did the test, and then after I got the test, you know, I got you know, obviously it was negative, thanks God. Uh, but very much after that end of that week and Sunday Scott Morrison announced the the big news for everybody else. So then my journey just continued on from my home office. <laughs> mm. And yeah, pretty much, pretty much. But I think we're seeing, you know, this is just another change. Um, you know, I know one of the questions you asked me sort of off air before was, you know, what have, what have I seen change in marketing, um, you know, over this time. And I still remember, um, you know, when I, one of my first clients, I think 2004, you know, we, 2004, 2005, we were, uh, I was running a, a digital newspaper. And this is before social media was a word. Um, digital marketing as a phrase was just starting to sort of be used. Um, really, I was still having to educate people on what an impression was. Mm. And, you know, I, he was, he'd just spent thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000, you know, purchasing the back page of the yellow pages uh, wow. as an advertising strategy. Uh, it's a reasonable chunk of change. And I went from his office to uh, visit my wife lunch. She was in real estate at the time and, you know, walked in and the first three desks I walked past had the yellow pages, you know, propping up the monitor just to the right ergonomic, <laughs> ergonomic height. I was like, this is, your, this, is your, this is your advertising spend that's now being used as a, <laughs> a computer accessory. Um, and, we, you know, we've just had this change. It, we're going to have a change in the future as well. This is not the first time that business has been disrupted from an external event that we have no control over. You know, in the last 20 years, we've had, um, you know, a couple of wars, you know, off the, off the back of, um, you know, the World Trade Center mm. um, being sort of had plane flown. You know, we've had a global financial crisis. We've had SARS and MERS and now COVID-19. Um, this is not an unusual thing for us to expect that we're going to have these external influences on our business, on our life, our, Absolutely. our mode of operation and, and what to expect. And, you know, this will happen again in the future. You know, we go back 30 years um, to the late 80s and early 90s and we had, you know, almost 18, 19, 20% interest rates in Australia, which was, and, and the, recession we had to have um, and these are things that you know as as individuals as business owners that we 
should learn to expect more. But we, but I think in many cases we don't. We sort of forget. You know, we've got very short institutional memories in some cases, and we forget, and we kind of build our business a bit like a house of cards. And it's okay when the table's not shaking, but as soon as that table starts to shake a little bit, everything starts to get a bit wobbly, and everything starts to collapse on itself. Yeah, and I reckon like when when things are going going good for a couple of years, right? Because like you said, it goes in waves. But when things are going well. Um, we get comfortable and we get soft. We do. Right? So this is perfect opportunity to sort of just harden the F up and, you know, start thinking outside the box. I see like for myself, I see it like straight away. Like I started, you know, applying lots of things to, to pivot in this tough situation. And, and then I thought for myself, like, hang on a minute. Like, why haven't I done it before? Like, why did I need it to be, you know, feeling this pressure now to sort of really ramp up my efforts, you know, like we should really be just going all in all the time. Yeah. Well, I, I hear lots of people saying, you know, when we look at their marketing, I said, I'll just turn the tap on when I need more leads. But realistically, the, the lead, the, <laughs> the leads tap should be on full bore all the time. The stuff that we're doing now, I'm hearing some, you know, a pretty constant message that I'm hearing is like, oh my God, I have to go online right now. This is not a new thing. You had to be online five years ago. You had to be online 10 years ago. This is not a different thing. You had to build robustness in your business. Um, I talked to a lot of clients about, about the importance of building a, a marketing machine right? that, that you work on the control panel. You, you have the stop button and, and the go button mm. and everything else is machined in a way that consistently and reliably delivers pushes customers in this case along your factory conveyor belt and delivers you profit right? and your customers a customer outcome. And the more consistent and reliable it is, it doesn't really matter what the economy is doing. The more reliable the outcome is going to be as well. And the stuff we're doing right now, the stuff we're going out to market, we're doing you know, lives, we're doing podcasts, we're, you know, this, all this, no, this nonsense I'm hearing about how saturated it is on, on Facebook now and how many, so many people are saying the word used just a few moments ago, pivoting. Yeah. Right? it's almost in desperation because we have gone through the last 10 years of, Hey, everything's good. Yeah. Right? And absolutely. now suddenly we have this disruption. <laughs> okay. If we, if we've done the right things in our business in the first place, not only are we in a good position to ride through periods of uncertainty, like we have now, like we had 10 years ago with GFC, but it also positions us really, really well to slingshot out the other side and get a head start on our competitors. Absolutely. Right. We know that, you know, if we're having to run a hundred meter race and someone is out of the, you know, out of the blocks that split second faster than us, accelerating that little bit faster than us, the gap really widens very, very quickly between where you are and where everybody else is. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what we have to do. We, we have to, um, when it comes to normal normality there, there and there's going to be, uh, it's not going to be straight up, right? It's going to be a slow start. I reckon people will, like say in the fitness industry, I reckon it's not going to be like, oh, we can all come back. We can all come out of the house. I don't think it's going to be, uh, you know, everybody straight back into the gym. I think people will be skeptical, right? So the fact that we, or us or anybody else right now, if they've been able to, move on to an online delivery of their fitness services, whether it's classes or one-on-one or whatever. Um, the fact that we have that now, when, when everything gets to normal, 
you'd be way ahead of the competition of those that haven't acted fast enough. Because that's the other thing, right? Like you said, like we are three weeks in now. If you by now haven't moved to online, um, you've missed out on a big portion of the market because there is so many offerings right now um, mm. to, to uh, in, in the example of keeping fit that uh, it's going to be much tougher. Well, that, that's right. You know, just because we've got these other things that are in, in, uh, in play, I guess, um, doesn't take away the the need that we solve, the problem that we solve in any business, whether it be fitness or for me in marketing or, um, you know, we went through toilet paper for a little while there. It doesn't really change the fact that there's these underpinning needs for our customers that they need solved. Now, where that problem is that they want solved are in relation to all the other challenges that they've got, right? That changes. Mm. So right now, you know, there was a period where, oh my God, I've got no toilet paper. Um, there was some, there's, you know, we've now had two or three weeks of homeschooling and there was a period where the biggest priority for people with kids was, oh my God, how am I going to do my job and kind of homeschool the kids, right? My, I decided very early on that my 14 year old was going to graduate. <laughs> I'm going to put him to work, right? He can go back to school later. <laughs> nice. But, you know, this is the sort of thing where it, it doesn't change the fact that people um, want to feel, you know, in the in the fitness sector, doesn't change the fact that people want to feel good about themselves. They want to look good. They want to feel healthy. And this is the thing that the fitness sector solves, right? But we just got to understand that there's how can we still solve that problem in a different way than we may have, you know, pre-lockdown when people came to us, they came to our gym. Yeah. Because one of the common things that I, I hear is, you know, I, I call some people from the gym and they're like, uh, you know, mate, I, I prefer the face-to-face, you know, I'm just going to wait until, you know, until you guys reopen and we're able to able to come back in. I'm like, okay, that's fair enough. But how are you solving your problem right now? I mean, you know, keeping fit and healthy, that's, that's not something you can put on a, on a back burner. That's something that should be, you know, day-to-day priority, right? Because when we when we are healthier, when we are fitter, we perform better. We are at a better better a mental state, and most importantly, we're able to uh, manage our um, well-being, right? So I'm like, well, you know, that's fine. You can wait, but you know, how do you know how long it's going to take? It's going to be a couple of months before we before we are able to reopen. So, well, we've got these resources. I mean, that's right. Gyms have these resources. We have medicine balls. We have weights. We have you know, bars, we have, um, I think it's trying to think of some of the things that F45 have, you know, we have those elastic bandy things, right? <laughs> we can get those, we can still get those into the hands of our customers. Absolutely. 100%. Right? I've watched my wife jump online and do online dance classes. Like last night, she was dancing around our lounge room for an hour and a half, um, streaming a live class, right? So we can yeah. still get face-to-face with our customers via a Zoom call via Facebook Live, we can still get the equipment our, our customers need to have to train into the into their home. Right? We can drop it on their front door. We can arrange a sort of exchange if you need to, if someone's in an apartment. Right? They can come via the gym and, you know, you can run it out <laughs> and toss it in the back seat of their car, right? Mark down who's got it, and they come back and swap it over later. So the, the opportunities are still there. We just need to pivot the way we're delivering 
That's right? it. Realign the way we deliver our services. Mate, I reckon, I don't know if Zoom is uh, a publicly, you know, listed company, but I wish I put, I believe, you know, I, I believe they are. <laughs> I wish I bought some, I bought some, I bought some shares because they are killing it right now. Everybody. Yeah, I think they went from uh, a, a broker mate of mine was looking at it. I think they said they went from like $38 to $150 in the space of two weeks. And then so it came back and it's sitting $120, $130 now. So pretty significant four X, four, five X your money. <laughs> it's unreal. Unreal. Now, Tell me a little bit more about, you know, I know what you do, but for our listeners, um, and also um, sort of very curious myself, um, how did you, how did you find the passion? What compelled you to, to do what you do, you know, be working in marketing and helping, helping others? Um, Man, I've been in business just about my whole life. I still remember to this day, and and maybe just because I tell the story, (laughs) that I actually remember it. I, uh, when my parents first moved to Canberra way back in 19, oh my God, 79, that makes me sound really old. Um, I thought a great way to uh, meet all the neighborhood kids would be to start a circus. Circus? Yeah, circus. Not a lemonade stand, a circus. And so I invited everyone over. I charged them 20 cents admission each, which was an absolute fortune back then. Uh, and, Hang on, how, how old were you back then? I was six. Six years old and you were doing a circus? Six. Yeah, and were circus. you the performer or? Uh, I was the, what are they called? The ringleader, the ringmaster, one of the two. <laughs> okay, can continue. This is a very interesting yeah, story. Yeah, anyway, I made them all dress up, right? So it wasn't a real circus, but made them, made every, got everyone in there sort of dress ups and, and you know, horses and, you know, elephants and all that sort of clown suits and all that sort of stuff. And and we did things like apple bobbing and we all had a great, great old time. Um, and I was kind of seeing one of my favorite books from my childhood was Uncle Scrooge. Right, and uh, he used to sort of dive into all his money, and it seemed like an awesome time. Now, to this day, I still don't really know what Uncle Scrooge actually does. I think he's um, some form of entrepreneur, or you know, is that the Disney bit? The the the, yeah, the three the little Disney boys, Scrooge, and, you know, oh yeah, yeah, and he jumps on that little, you know, yeah, 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 <laughs> <laughs> Louie. Okay, you know the one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I was sort of seeing my Uncle Scrooge Golden Book come to life with with all these sort of cash, and I I, I remember going to Trash and Treasure and blowing a I don't know, a dollar on this um, brass inlaid cigar box <laughs> that all of my 20 cent pieces and my, my gold coins, they all lined up beautifully, neatly. And <laughs> I think it was seven rows of, you know, six rows of, of seven coins or something that fit beautifully in this, this cigar box. Yeah. And, uh, and then I blew a whole dollar. I mean, a whole dollar on one cent lollies. <laughs> That's a lot of lollies. <laughs> I know, right? And I ate them all. On the, and this is back when, you know, your, your hand, like I remember chip packets seemed so much bigger than they do now. <laughs> Probably because my hand is much bigger. But I blew this, and I'll buy all my money on Monsanto lollies and I ate them all on the way home. And I thought, this is the best thing ever. Right? This business thing is <laughs> brilliant. Oh, and I kind of had this passion for this passion for entrepreneurship ever since. And, and even, you know, when I was working full-time in my side hustle in government, um, and, uh, you know, and in private enterprise for, I think it was 17 years or not between the two of those, I still call those my side hustle, even though it consumed 40 to 50 hours a week. Um, the, but I'd sort of retained in business and the creativity and being able to sort of create this impact. Now, whether it was, you know, as a six year old, being able to sort of make friends and have a lot of fun and, you know, and, you know, getting some 
spoils of spoils of war, <laughs> if you will, um, or you know, making and selling wine racks, or importing young boots from China, um, or you know, starting my first digital marketing business in in uh, 1999, I think it was. Mm. Um, you know, it was it was fun, and but you know, the last one and where I'm at now in terms of in this marketing space, when I, mean, I discovered had to sort of make up digital marketing as it was evolving or I didn't have the opportunity to learn from somebody else there were no courses that I could suddenly take and and do this so a lot of what we were doing was trial and error and you know I think 2006 or 7 I was asked to speak at a management uh, Australian Institute of Management in a presentation to at the time you know the heads of all these marketing agencies in in Canberra yeah where where you and I live and I still think I still remember thinking, oh my God, you know, what am I, what am I doing here? You know, I, how can I possibly speak about digital marketing to these people who run, you know, these multi-million-dollar marketing agencies and in, you know, advise in you know such incredible companies and government about what they should be doing in marketing? They were all turning to me saying, "Tell us about this digital marketing thing. Tell us about this internet thing. Tell us about this social media thing that was emerging." And it was kind of you know, like, oh, wow, okay, maybe I do know something. Maybe, I, <laughs> maybe I'm one of the pioneers here, which was really, which was really uh, interesting at the time. But the thing that I kept finding when, when we were selling advertising to other companies is that they really lacked what I now call a sort of this, this life cycle marketing approach, mm. this maturity of, of, of marketing process, and particularly in the digital space. But the more I unpacked it, the more it was... Um, like right throughout their, their their marketing. And I still see this today, you know, 20, 21 years, 22 years on from that is that we leave so much opportunity on the table. And then as business owners, we, we whinge and complain and say, oh my God, business is hard. You know, we perpetuate this myth that, you know, 97% or 95% of small businesses failed in the first five years. Mm. When the reality is that we actually burn out we don't have all the tools we're trying to play with. And we're trying to build this thousand piece puzzle without the box and without all the pieces. Or, or without the manual, how yeah, to put the pieces the together, right? Because right. there's and so many sort of like, what are we doing? I, I don't, this, is, this seems really hard. Of course it's hard. Yeah. Right. Of course, if you don't have the box, you don't have the roadmap, you, you're going to sort of lead, um, you know, op- opportunities on the table. And, and I see that as a really frustrating thing because I don't think business ne- really needs to be hard. Mm. Absolutely. If we started to treat our business a bit more like more like our personal relationships, that's right, and just built deeper relationships. Mate, tell me about these digital marketing options because I mean, there's so many of the different options, right? There's all the different things being thrown around, you know, SEO and uh, PPT, I think it's called, and social media content, uh, advertising, paid ads, Facebook ads, and website, and all the different things, right? Um, you consider them almost like different pieces of the puzzle, right? How yeah, they put- are. And, you know, and whilst you can use all of them, it's probably better off to sort of pick two or three strategies that um, are going to work best for your business. And, and I, there's a couple of things, again, that I would sort of come back to as fundamentals. And it doesn't matter, again, look, in 10 or 20 years' time, we'll have a whole different suite of options and, that are available to us. I'm, I'm super excited about the automation space because it's come so far in the last 10 years. And in 10 years' time, we'll 
you know, we'll have pre predictive behavior modeling and all sorts of interesting stuff like that. But there's some fundamentals, I think, that have, uh, that have been in marketing since way back when, you know, you, you were walking around a market in a village, you know, on dirt ground, you know, with someone crying out about how amazing their silks were. Mm. There's still some fundamentals. We still need to understand where our customer's problem fits in the hierarchy of the challenges that they've got to deal with today. We've still got to position ourselves in a way that we can solve that problem by promising some form of payoff to that, to that pain point. Um, we've got to understand that not everyone will buy from us today. Right? And the, the deeper the relationship that we can build with those people, the more likely they are to come back to us when they do buy. Mm. Right? Um, and we've still got to remember that we've got to put the right bait in the right pond. Oh, what? Sorry. You know, it, the right bait in the right pond. Oh, yeah. Bait, yeah, yeah. Sorry, mate. Yeah. Okay. So if I'm trying to sell whatever it is I'm trying to sell, right? If I'm trying to solve somebody's problem wherever I'm trying to solve it, if they're not listening, or if I'm talking to them in the wrong space, or I'm just talking to the wrong market altogether, mm. I'm going to be in real trouble. Now, it doesn't matter whether that's Facebook or Google ads or print mail or newspaper or radio or whatever it is we try to get our message out there to our customer, all right? Whatever the next thing is, you know, whether there's brainwave transmission to <laughs> whatever it happens to be, I don't know, okay? Um, whether it's, your, you know, your, your market's, on a weekend, wherever, okay? If our customer is not in the right, if our customer isn't there, it doesn't matter how loud we yell, they will mm. never hear us. Yeah. And those are the fundamentals. Actually, I used, you just remind me, I used this analogy the other day. You said not the, you know, you're using the wrong bait uh, in the wrong pond. <laughs> the other day I was saying something along the lines like, you're on the ocean and you're trying to catch a salmon, but you haven't got the right bait. It's sort of similar thing. Yeah. Yeah, look, absolutely right. You know, if I'm trying to catch a, a, a saltwater fish, there's no point in me dropping a line in Lake Jindabyne as a freshwater lake. So this is what you generally refer to as uh, having the right, you know, uh, customer avatar, right? Because when he when it comes to marketing, what is marketing? Marketing is is first and foremost understanding who who your audience is, who's your customer, ideal customer, and you got to figure that out at the beginning before you put all the efforts into all the different um, strategies, right? Otherwise, how are you going to know what strategies to do? Or how are you going to figure out the strategy if you don't know who you're marketing to? Now, what is the ideal process that you'd recommend to somebody that's starting out in figuring out who their ideal avatar should be? Um, I think there's a couple of things, and, and certainly there's obviously demographics, right? Who's, you know, who, who do I who do I want to work with? You know, where do they live? What do they read? How old are they? That sort of stuff. The demographic. We've also got the psychographic information as well that we want to look at. I think one of the, the really important questions that um, we should be asking ourselves is also, you know, will this person pay me what I want to be paid? Will I enjoy working with them or not? Mm. Right? And do I want to work with them? Pretty right? important. Just because you can doesn't mean that you should. Yeah, right? Everybody, everybody listening to this podcast right now will have had what we call a D class customer, right? A D client, right? Someone that you, yes, you took their money and then you wish you really shouldn't have. Yeah. Right. They Everyone's do. got one of those. They suck out the energy out of you and they don't, they don't, in the end, they don't achieve the result because they're not following. They don't receive the result. You feel terrible. 
they feel like you've wasted, you know, that you've ripped them off. Nah, mate. Uh, I've got, yeah, I've had experience like that in my personal training career. I've had, I've had a client that I trained for a while and then I had to discontinue that because I felt it was weird. Like, you know, charging, what is it, you know, typically around hundred, $100 an hour as a personal trainer, charging that money, training that client, trying to change them. Um, and I was trying everything because I always like thought back, it's like, I'm doing something wrong. I'm doing something wrong. Like I was trying to like, you know, consult with other people and like, am I not a good coach? Like, am I not like, how can I not make that shift? But in the end, somebody just told me, mate, you're not going to be able to change everybody. Some people will just not, they will just not, you will just not crack through them and they will just keep coming for sessions, but they're not going to follow through with everything else that you told them to do. You're better off, you know, you're better off not training them because it's like, I, I felt, I felt like terrible because just training them and not seeing the results and, and frustrated and, you know, still like they paying me the money, but I felt frustrated. still not getting results. And I would tell them, Hey, you know, this is a, here's a new recipe for next week. Even like, Hey, this is how you cook it. Or, and, you know, even making videos like at home, like how I'm cooking it, sending it to them. Hey, cook this. I'm keeping it real simple and things like that. And, and the client just wouldn't just kept giving me excuses. I just, this hardening yeah. isn't it i actually like the idea of a, having a negative avatar and i think one of the biggest mistakes that we can make as small business owners particularly when we start out is just saying yes to everybody because we're just chasing that you know, i've got to make money i've got to make money i've got to make money um and you know two things in that obviously we we start our businesses with not enough resources right? so we become desperate and we start to say yes to things we probably should say no to mm. Right. And we don't, in, we, we spend our time. What's that saying? There's a really cool one that says, you know, rich, sorry, poor, dumb people spend time to save money and then rich, smart people spend money to save time. Yeah. You know, something like that. But, you know, when we start our, when we start our business, we generally start it with not enough resources because so oh, we you start gotta, acting yeah. like that poor, dumb person. We go, I can build my website, you know, I can do just as good a job as someone else and it's going to save me a few thousand dollars. You know what? Yes, it probably does save you a few thousand dollars, but that time should have been spent in an area of your genius. It should have been going to chase that next, you know, A-class client, the one that will get the results, the one that will take your advice, the one that you actually enjoy working with and the one that actually enjoys working with you, recognises the value you bring to the table and is happy to pay what it is that you want your your what you're asking for so how do you go about that how do you go about finding that ideal client say you already figure out who that is after a while you've trained some people or you've serviced whatever business it is um now you know what that client looks like how do you go and go fish how do you like what bait do you use i think it's i think we should be asking them more you know um i mean i don't even do this enough in my business um, but you, you should definitely sort of go back to those customers that you really love working with and just start interviewing them and saying, hey, why is it that you chose me? What, mm. is, what was it about, you know, what I was offering or what I was saying that really resonated with you? And look for a commonality, right? What do you enjoy working on? What is my, what is my superpower? I'm going to ask your customers, <laughs> what do you think that I'm really great at? And it's something we don't do enough of. And if you bring all that information together and go, these are all my awesome clients and these are all my, you know, less than desirable clients, 
and start looking at commonalities, you will see a, a you will start to see a trend about who represents the really good ones. And you do more mm. of that, you will attract more of those clients because like attacks like. That's you know, ask your really good clients, you know, do you just know someone, you know, just like you who would be, you know, that I could work with? And then what? Then you'd sort of create your content around it, your, your marketing create, efforts create around that? Create your content around that. Create your content around what it is that they, they're hearing. What was their pain point? What was their, what were they looking for? Right? Create your content around that and you will start, you will start to attract more of those mm. and less of the ones you don't want. And you'll actually, I think you as a result, you actually enjoy your business a lot more. hundred percent. Yeah. Right. Uh, now to add to that, um, why I think what's hard is if you don't do that, what's hard and what typically happens too is we're trying to think who would like us and we sort of do it on our own subjective, you know, what do we, how do we feel about us that like our great attributes, but then by asking the clients and, you know, learning externally, doing that research, you actually find things that you wouldn't think of. Right. So uh, definitely, yeah, definitely great, great um, recommendation too. Yeah, look, look, I think everyone trips up along the way as well. I've certainly tripped up a bit. I know you have as well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, we make mistakes in business. You know, we, we're the ones with the roadmap. I used to say this all the time, you know, when people copied the Riot Act or tried to copy the Riot Act as we, as we were sort of developing this social media platform. Um, you know, and people are like, I mean, aren't you worried about coming someone coming and stealing your IP and, and doing the same thing. I've gone, they can, they can go and do that if they want to. But you know what? <laughs> Look, the only real protection anyone has ever got is being faster and more agile than the other guy. Mm. And okay. there is actually a good and story. I've got the <laughs> yeah, there's actually a good story about that. One one of the guys in um, one of the most like really successful business uh, um, in history in Czech Republic, where I come from, um, he founded a um, company um, for making shoes and and he at the time i think it was like in 19th century can't remember the year but anyway it was years ago <laughs> hundreds of years ago um he was very unique in 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 his approach um in his manufacturing approach he was very innovative at the time and and he would openly share it with people you know his ideas and you know he was really innovative in in those times and people people ask him like why you know why are you sharing it everybody you should really keep it a secret and he said look nobody's gonna ever do it the same like i've got my own passion for it i've got my own picture that picture even if i told you that picture inside my head that vision is a lot more in depth it's like an a high high definition and that's something you can never you know you can never copy of somebody else like you can't see in their head you might get the idea but you're never going to do it same so he's like you know there's no point worrying about it and wasting time and and money on trying to secure something uh there's too many people in the world mm. Mm, absolutely now what is the hardest thing that you've had to overcome in your business so far oh god take my pick um hardest that's a good question I think possibly the hardest thing is probably getting the balance right, um, you know, between sort of work and, and, and home life. Mm. Um, and my wife, I mean, my, my wife and I have been together for 21 years now. She's in business as well. Um, she runs a property management business and buyers agency. 
uh, and has done for about five years ago since since you know she had a stroke actually so um in her day jobs and, and that's why she's now in business kind of because she gets to have that flexibility mm. but i think the the hardest thing is actually getting the balance right because we we spend so much time building this thing that you know is our business that you know, we, we kind of so invested in it it's like it's like your kids <laughs> in some ways you know we build we build we build we build we build we want us to see it succeed we want to will it to be better than it was the day before and just like your kids yes it's frustrating yes we get setbacks yes we wish that i just did things slightly differently yes we wish that other people recognized how awesome it was and um, without us having to sort of show it off all the time mm. um but i think getting that balance right between you know being so invested in this thing and for me particularly i get you know, I get super invested in it. I want to kind of, you know, will it to, to success. Um, and that sometimes, you know, for me, make sure that I've got to maintain that open conversation with my wife and my son as well about, you know, what's, where things are, where things are at, you know, the challenges I'm facing at work. I don't need to create a separation. I don't need to say, well, you know, that's my work stuff and you know, I don't need to worry you about that kind of nonsense, right? Take away that ego. And, and the hard part is, is that, you know, as business owners, as entrepreneurs, we have to cultivate an ego because that is our armour that creates resilience mm. against all the setbacks and knocks and, you know, lost opportunities and clients who say no and, and all that sort of stuff. Our ego is that armour. But that ego also gets in the way of actually being open and vulnerable with the people that we're actually building our business for. It's so easy to say, oh, you don't, you don't understand what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> when you've been invested to something for years and like grinding through it and then, and then like you said, you want to keep the balance and you, you, know, you share it in your relationship and then your partner might say something and it just pisses you off because like, you don't understand. Yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> try, try me. <laughs> yeah, no, I definitely. Yeah, and that, that's that, that's probably. I think that's probably the hardest thing that yeah. that I've had to deal with. I'm sure that's you know that would resonate with a lot of other people. Um, mm. Like other things I've had to deal with, I've been sued more times than I can remember while I was running the um, the media company. Um, you know, it got to the point was every week the first time I had you know legal papers, you know, delivered under my doorstep. You know, I thought, oh, Jesus, you know, everything I've tried to build, someone's just now trying to take away from me and it's not really my fault. How dare they? Yeah. Um, you know, we've, we've had great staff. I've had shitty staff. Um, I've had good business partners. I've had terrible business partners. Um, you know, I've, you know, I've lost businesses. I've, I've signed, you know, it's massive highs in terms of winning big deals and then massive lows when you kind of lose them. Um you know, there's all sorts of stuff. I've, I've, I've gained friendships from business. I've lost, you know, lifelong friends from business as well. Um, mm. So yeah, there are, there are lots of challenges, but for me, I think that hardest one is actually sort of just maintain that balance between, you know, building this thing and understanding why I'm building this thing. And I reckon none of the failures, like all the failures are good. Because you learn from them, you grow from them, and you you mature from them. It's like when you go and uh, you on the Saturday night, you want to have a cheese platter and watch a movie. You're gonna go and buy some cheeses, and if you spend a little bit more money, you buy a really good cheddar that's been matured for years and it's rich in flavor. 
Um, and if you don't spend the money, you just buy like a cheap one, right? So we just we just get better with years and with experience and with all the failures. We just learn, and I think as long as as long as the uh, the app here works and we can actually still remember our failures, um, then that's good because that's. I mean, you can learn from it. The worst thing is we do we, we do need to learn. We do need to learn from them. We, we need we need to be able to let them go and not mm. dwell on them, but we do need to learn from them. Yeah. Um I don't know who said it or where I picked it up, but you know, this whole idea about, you know, if you're going to lose the battle, don't lose the war. You know, what did you do there that you can learn from not just in that particular circumstances, but what were the circumstances that led to that less than desirable result as opposed to maybe a failure. <laughs> Now, right. it's not a failure if, it, if you and, and take a lesson from that. Yeah, sorry, mate. It just cut, it cut you off there for a second. But um, yeah, I think you'll be right. Um, now, moving from this topic, I'd like a couple of predictions from you, mate. Oh, what do you see? <laughs> you already sort of tapped into it a little bit. Um, this week's lotto numbers will be. Well, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I wanted that to be to my superpower, right? So, yeah. Um, I have to ask, um, marketing in the future, you already tapped, you already mentioned, you know, automation and that being an exciting future. Um, yeah. Artificial intelligence and marketing, how do you, where, where do you think that's going to go? How do you think that's going to pan out in some, some good examples if you have? Yeah, I think uh, we're going to see not, not AI yet, not true AI anyway. We're going to see machine learning. Uh, you know, evolve significantly over the next 10 to 20 years, um, you know, and and rapidly pace stuff. We're going to see, I think, in a marketing context, we're going to see a lot more behavioral-based marketing. Um, traditionally, I think we've seen a lot of, I create something based on my research and I put it out there and, and, and that's it, all right? So it's very much one way. It's kind of a, you know, a lot comes in, almost like the tide, a lot comes in and then a lot goes out. And we go, okay, did that work? A lot comes in and a lot goes out. Um, I think we're going to see more personalized behavioral targeting so that rather than treating groups by, you know, in the hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands, millions of people, we're going to see more stuff that's targeted specifically to you. I mean, Facebook and Google right now are capturing, I mean, they're not social media companies, they're data. Companies, mm. yeah, they track everything that we do, and they're using that information to provide a more personalized experience to you, not through AI, but through very smart machine learning. And they okay? do it the so fast. It's just, just taking this information and applying some preset rules. Right? Mm. AI creates dynamic rules, but even machine learning is starting to kind of mirror some of some of this stuff. But we're still we're still setting the rules that. If you do A or B, great. Okay. If you do B, then you've got a choice of D or E. Mm. Fine. If you do E, we're going to go to X or Z. Right? Yep. And, and that's effectively what we're doing right now, but just on a very, very accelerated basis. Right? We're yep. programming our technology to do a lot of this stuff for us. Right? This podcast, for example, um, we have the technology now that can start to track and engage how much of this podcast did you listen to whether you've listened to it whether you've got to the end or not and we can decide what to do with you as a prospect based on your 
IP address of uh, the device you're listening in on to do other activities, right? It might be ignore you, it might be put you into a, an advertising segment. And we're seeing that, right? Um, just about everybody will have had a conversation with somebody about how their phone is listening to them. Yeah. Right now. And how, oh my God, Facebook just listened to me. I, I said this and here's an ad for it. Right. That is what we're having this behavioral targeting sort of stuff. And we're going to see, I think we're going to see a lot more of that in the future. And the smart companies are getting on that right now because we're actually start, we're actually serving people better. It's not evil. It's not bad. It's not, you know, sneaky and conniving. It's we're actually saying, well, you're clearly interested in this and this is a pain point for you. Let me make your life easier by giving you something that potentially can solve that right now. So by doing so, you're able to be a bit more specific to who you target and that way you don't have to annoy the other people that wouldn't be interested. So yeah, like That's you're right. right. Makes yeah. So we, I think we will see a lot more of that. Um, I think platforms will change. Hmm. Um, Facebook's only been around for 16 years in its entirety. No, 16 years, yes. Something like that. Um, but we'll see, we'll still, we'll see things, you know, there'll be another platform that comes out, you know, um, you good know, example is TikTok right now. That's, that's, uh, TikTok. Trending. TikTok didn't exist five years ago and there's a new platform for us and in another five years, there'll be another platform for us to go, Oh my God, I'm going to jump onto this. And people will, cause they'll go, there's less noise over there. So I'm going to go over there and then, you know, advertisers and businesses will follow. Uh, yeah. This is a new cool thing. Facebook once upon a time was really cool and then your grandparents got on it and your parents. <laughs> now it's not so cool anymore. Absolutely. It's still valuable and it's still a very integral part of how we communicate with our, with our networks, you know. Um, but it, it's not as cool as it was, say, in 2010. Now, if you had to break down the current social media, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, I'm not sure if you can also consider LinkedIn as, as a social media or, or not. But if you had to sort of list those four, uh, LinkedIn, Instagram, um, Facebook, and, and say Twitter, can you give me a bit of a definition which one is good to use for what type of industry or type of, you know, level of where um, you're at? Yeah, use the one where your customers are, first and foremost. Hmm. Uh, having said that, as a general rule, if you were to pick just one, you'd be on Facebook. Right, right. If you're going to pick two, um, if you're in a business-to-business um, environment, you'd probably pick Facebook and, and LinkedIn. If you're in a business-to-consumer kind of market, as in you you sell to people who are not businesses, mm-hmm. um, you'd probably pick uh, Facebook and uh, and Instagram as the two. Or TikTok. Um, maybe <laughs> if you had an maybe. audience of teenagers, yes. Yeah. If you got something, something there. Yeah. But those teenagers, I think the inter- interesting thing is like, thinking like, well, they're teenagers now and I've got nothing to sell them, but when they're going to be a little older, um, that's something that they grew up with. Um, it's, uh, and, and they're going to be there. They're still going to be there and they might, you know, that TikTok medium might mature if they use. That's right. Yeah, and that's what you've got to. You, and 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 smart business will sort of look at that marketing. They look at not just where their customers are right now, but they look at where their customers are going to be, mm. and they'll start to build that. And you know, when we talk brand advertising, it, that's about that actually building that presence and top of mind share when someone goes to uh, you know a particular 
a particular sort of problem. Right? Yeah, if, if you were to right now think of the top, uh, you know, three sort of soft drink brands in Australia, mm. right? I can read your mind right now. It's going to be Coke, Pepsi, and probably Sprite. No, uh, actually, if you if maybe you, Fanta. <laughs> I'm just drinking Red Bull. Okay, but energy, energy drink. Okay, energy drink. Slightly different sector. It's going to be uh, Monster, um, V, and Red Bull. Yeah, no. Nah. It's for me. It's just Red Bull. Okay, and this is not but a. That's this. that's the top thing. Okay, so they've done a lot of brand advertising to own the mind share of that particular space. Yeah, because I mean when. If we talk about Red Bull, they've got amazing marketing the way they do it. Oh, they're incredible. Everything yeah, they're is awesome. around sports and lifestyle and love it. And they've spent an absolute shit ton of money trying to do so. Like Small businesses can't really do that. We've got to be a bit more pragmatic about it and say, you know, if I know if I spend, you know, $1 in effort and or cash to attract a market, either advertising or other marketing strategies, because advertising is just a sort of marketing strategy, right? Mm. It's not. It's not marketing in itself. It's, it's like an extension of marketing. it. Mm. Yeah, it's what's like an outward expression. I'm paying someone to sort of market my business. Um, you know, that's just one way of doing things. But that's. I, I need to get a return on that. I don't have this limitless bucket of money to kind of rely on brand advertising. And brand advertising needs a lot of money to get that saturation with people. Right? You've got to be seen a lot in order to, to buy mindshare. Especially if you try and attract masses, right? That's why maybe like smaller businesses, they fail because they're not, they're not, being, they're not targeting specifically enough their market. They're not going deep enough. They're going too much on a, on a mainstream and then they struggle because you can't compete. Yeah, well, I've, look, I've, I've just started working with a client who was working with another agency um, and they had a, a $300 a month spend on brand advertising, mm. you know, to a, to a market of 20,000 businesses in Sydney. Now, by the time you spend $300 a month against that 20, you know, and spread across that 20,000 uh, sized market, um, no it's way. a drop in the ocean. Yeah. You're not seeing, you know, that, that doesn't buy enough exposure over a short enough period to build a brand presence. Whereas if they, if they uh, specify like those, how do you say 3000 businesses, if they, if they narrowed it down to maybe 100 of those businesses being in a specific avatar and modify their uh, content, everything, then those $300 would be uh, would go a long way, long, long way, be more competitive in, in the advertising uh, against the other advertisers. Yeah. 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 You're probably better off picking 60 businesses and sending them $5 in the mail. I guarantee you'll get their attention. <laughs> yeah. Now, tell me something that's true that almost nobody agrees uh, with you on. Oh, uh, USP. Okay, let's talk about that. Unique For the listeners, selling let's... proposition. Uh, this is a this is a <laughs> thing that I think a lot of businesses will have been told that they need is a unique selling proposition, and just about everyone struggles to put one together. Mm. Okay, I reckon it's a crock of shit. So how do you put one together? I would probably say you need a customer value statement. Right? All right so I think CVS, not USP. Okay, how's that different? Because the, well, the, the key difference is that, you know, the big thing people get with USP, they get hung up on the unique, that suddenly the thing that you do has to be 
completely different from everyone ever everywhere ever yeah and we get stuck on that and it's not right what f45 offer as a gym isn't terribly different from other boutique gyms that other doing boutique it, they're gyms. doing the same similar format of who training do yeah. a, you know who do a program that runs for under an hour <laughs> mm. on a regular basis okay it's not hugely unique right but what we have more so is a customer value statement it says this is the thing we do and this is how we do it and this is the value to you Right. I think if we focus more on that rather than just trying to kind of come up with uniqueness for the sake of uniqueness, we'll actually be better off. Because also you know, a lot by of marketers won't say that, but you know, they'll go, Oh, you need a USP. Business coach will say, Well, what's your USP? Well, and you'll go, I don't really have one other than I'm doing this and for the other companies that are doing this, it's not the same thing. And what I like about it also is is if you have like a USP, that's more like talking about, hey, look at us, us as a company. This is what we are. This is how unique we are. But what you say is the other way is this is how unique we are for you, for what you need. This is how we can do it for you. So, and that's always going to be um, resonating more to those to that audience because like, well, you actually care about us. This is why you're doing it for us. It's like nobody cares about the other person. They they care how the other People care for them, right? So makes perfect well, I mean, sense. You, you, if you have a USP, great, but you're never going to use it, right? You, you never speak your USP to your customer. Yeah, absolutely. It's just a way of doing things, but you not necessarily have to like, yeah, push it out, right? Yeah, absolutely. So that's, I think that's probably the thing that I think that, that I think a lot of people would disagree with. Hmm. Now, what do you, what do you wish you had known um, when you were starting out the current business that you have win more clients? Um, ooh, the current like, one. Let's see. I wish I had known which were going to be the bad customers. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, I don't know that I wouldn't necessarily wish I'd known anything different. I think that's part of the, the thing that makes being in business interesting. If you had that, if you you know could go into everything with twenty twenty foresight, it'd be it'd be pretty boring. Right? If you know what the weekend's lotto numbers are, you'd be like, well, there you go. I'm just gonna pick those, and right? everything becomes predictable. Part mm. of the part of the fun of being an entrepreneur is that there is a little bit of unpredictability. It's like trying to to tame and ride this wild beast. <laughs> you know, you, you ultimately want to tame it, but not at the same time. Yeah, because you know, then you sell it and you start again. It's like when you go in the bar and uh, you want to approach a good-looking woman, you don't know what how it's going to pan out, right? But you're just going to go with it and pivot it as you go. <laughs> <laughs> and if you don't, I'll tell you what you know what you know how it's going to go if you don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> now we are at fifty-seven minutes, so typically my podcast episodes is around that. Um, so I think we've done pretty well and I don't want to take too much of uh, each other's time because it's uh, Saturday and uh, it's good to relax a little bit as well. So we're going to go in our final rounds. Um, just a couple of questions just to wrap it up. Uh, the sure. first question for you would be uh, any advice that you'd like to give to somebody looking to start a business? Solopreneur. Uh, start with more. Start with the bigger runway. Okay. I think we, and, and whether this has come from this lean, 
startup idea. Lean startup just means we're trying to minimum viable product to get to market and test it and mm. see whether people will buy it, um, not trying to overthink things too much. But I do think we need to, it doesn't mean no resources. And I think far too many people try to start their business with not enough resources and particularly money. Yeah. We don't start a business with enough money. So take a loan of at least maybe 10K. What's like a... Oh, look, even more than that. 100. Okay. Have a 12-month plan. Have enough money to, for 12 months to pay you what you want to be paid for 12 months and invest in the things you want to do. And by doing so, you can go into it full-time because now you've got that loan that will fund you, find your, find your income for that time. Because That's one right. of the You're worst things is... And it does... It also means you don't have to say yes to every customer. Okay, you can pick the customers you want, not feeling desperate to kind of like, oh my god, I need to get money in to pay the food on the table next week. Hundred percent. Because what's yeah, the so opposite? Start, start with more. What's the opposite, right? You you're employed and you're trying to do a side hustle and you only have that that many hours in a day. It's gonna take. It's gonna take. And if it's ever gonna kick off, right? Because you can't really commit fully, and that's it's very hard. Like I can definitely say, like right now, like actually that's. <laughs> Strangely, one of my problems right now because I'm trying to do, do this podcast, which is a new thing. Um, trying to ring, like, create some new programs and fit fit to cater more to the current situation that's going on. And um, what's the third thing? Oh, and then looking into some other things. So yeah, it's not good. Yeah, yeah, it's like <laughs> we, we we do try to do too much, and even then we when we do these side hustles off our day job. You know, we, we, we ratchet that up and then, you know, we get used to the extra income and then we ratchet that up and get more and we get used to the extra income mm. and we can never get rid of the old income from our day job yeah. because it's still there propping us up and going, oh my God, that would be half my income, right? I mean, the whole idea of entrepreneurship is take risk for profit. Yeah. So you've got to take a risk and that risk might be, see your day job in with two feet, let's make this work. Now, what is really interesting what happens is when you do that, you actually realize how much more um, can you get creative when you put yourself in a position where, okay, I'm now, I've, I've jumped into the pool now. That's it. There's no safety guard now. I just got to go in. Whereas still sort of keeping that safety net and sort of just doing it because you're never going to fully commit as if, if you jumped fully into the pool, right? And then had no safety net. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it's, sometimes it's okay to jump in the deep end. Like you might drown. <laughs> we know that. But you never know. You might swim too. I mean, it's definitely easier when you're single, when you haven't got a family and too many people are relying on you. That's probably the, the best time to do anything like that, I would say. Well, that, that's, that's why I say start with more. Right? So if you, if you know that you need $100,000 to get through for a year, and let's be, you know, you're not going to sort of go lavish. You're not going to buy a new Ferrari or maybe go on the, you know, expensive overseas holiday but if you know that you know i need five thousand dollars a month to put food on my table and pay my mortgage and you know live modestly go to a movie every so often get a pizza for takeaway every so often you know enjoy a, a, a bottle of wine with some friends and you need sixty thousand dollars for the year to do that right put sixty that you know get sixty thousand put sixty thousand aside somewhere loan against your mortgage if you need to to do it but have that sixty thousand dollars in a kind of reserve and pay yourself five thousand dollars a month mm. and the first month absolutely guess what you probably won't you may not make any money the second month you may not make any money the third month you might make a thousand dollars 
month four, you might make $2,000. Great. But you're still drawing this $5,000 income out of the kitty, right? To pay your food, pay your mortgage, pay your holidays and, and, and so on. And knowing that you'll have to repay then, it at some point. Yeah, you do have to repay it at some point. But, you know, by the end of 12 months, you should be at a point where you're not making $5,000 a month. The business is now making 10000 or 20000 or 30000 or whatever it happens to be in your, in your business. That's it. And yeah, I was just going to say, it does, yeah. it does mean you're not getting stressed about, oh, my God, I need to make 5000 next month to, to pay the essentials. Yeah, that doesn't work. Because when we're when we are in the fear mode, it's like creativity only works to a certain level, right? And we just right. can't can't perform. We start to make we start to make silly choices about what not only be what we spend, but where we make our money. And not all dollars are created equal. So, Tim, so how can people connect with you if they want to find out more about what you do and get some help? Yeah, sure. So probably the easiest way is to duck over to my website, winmoreclients.com.au forward slash connect. Um, look, I'm happy to have a chat with anyone about their marketing and see where we can sort of find some opportunities. Um, we have a, a process that we run people through. Um, we call our, our marketing machine, mm-hmm. automated marketing machine, and really looking at where you're losing opportunities, right? Where you're sort of leaving money on the table right throughout your customer journey, right throughout from awareness, right through to, to profit and the impact you want to create. And we look at how we plug the holes in that, building some infrastructure that'll help you deliver that more consistently. And then we look at how do we sort of, once we've got that foundation, right? How do we then build upon that? How do we then leverage your business to take you even further and faster than you thought possible and really evolve and deliver what you went into business for in the first place. So whether that's, you know, more time, more money, more lifestyle, more impact, whatever it happened to be for you, that's the process we go through. And uh, if people are interested in in jumping on a a call and and having a conversation about how we can do that in their business, I'm happy to do so. So it's like a bit of an assessment on, on their bucket if it's leaking or not yeah, absolutely so winmoreclients.com.au forward slash connect awesome and with that thank you for being on my show team i wish you great rest of your day be productive be healthy stay fit and i look forward to uh catching up soon again that's a wrap you've just listened to episode number three and guess what that means it can officially stand on on its legs three is kind of a unique number isn't it the past and the present and the future as it takes three legs to make a tripod or to make a table stand anyway i've got a really good feeling about this so in the next episode i'm talking to uh one of canberra's most sought after media producers Him and his team create amazing multimedia that entertains, informs, and inspires. And we talk about a whole bunch of great stuff, so stay tuned for that one. It'll be released next week on Saturday morning to get your weekend started. Now, to get notified about all these upcoming episodes, please make sure to subscribe so you don't miss out. Now, if you're still here and still listening, you must have liked it. If that's the case, could you please share this podcast and help me inspire others? There's a bunch of links in the show notes and um, you know you can just share them on your social media channels, whichever one you like. Uh, have a great rest of your day and stay inspired, everybody.